Well, amen. Why don't you be seated? Let's just give a little praise to our volunteers tonight who set everything up and our worship team. Just so very glad. What a beautiful day for us to, to gather this evening. Let me uh, introduce myself if I've not had the opportunity to meet you. My name is Alan and uh, one of the pastors here at Church of the Island. We just got through finishing after about eight weeks a study of what is known as the Apostles' Creed. It's really a, um, a foundational uh, a creed, a, a really the foundations of our faith, of what uh, for nearly 2,000 years Christians have said, hey, this is what we believe. And what we have done in walking through that is just understanding that as a church and as Christians, we need to understand what we believe as Christians and why we believe it. And as we concluded our teaching series on what is known the, as the Apostles' Creed, is uh, we talked about the fact that we not only believe in the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we also believe in our resurrection, that we will be raised again, and not only in our own bodily resurrection, as the scripture teaches and Jesus himself taught, but we also believe that we will have eternal life. And as we begin concluding that teaching series with those truths, is that I just begin thinking, you know, it's a natural thing for us, is to uh, really learn together what the Bible says about heaven. Uh, since we said, yes, we believe in the resurrection, we believe in eternal life. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Because the truth is, there's a lot of uh, questions about heaven. There are a lot of assumptions about heaven. Uh, there are some uh, information and misinformation about heaven. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to just dive deep into the scriptures and to the word of God and just see exactly what the Bible says about heaven. Now, the Bible uses the word heaven over 500 times in the Old Testament and New Testament. We're not going to look at all 500 verses, but we are going to seek to gain a better understanding of heaven and what heaven is, what heaven is not, what is in heaven, and what is not in heaven. And I hope over the next uh, couple of three weeks that we'll uh, answer many of your questions. You know, the questions that are often asked are, you know, will we know each other in heaven? Will we be married in heaven? Do all dogs go to heaven, all those kinds of questions like that, we'll try to answer together. But tonight, just by way of introduction, I want you to take your scripture and find 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And as you're finding your place there in your New Testament, I want to ask you this question. What is the ultimate destination for you? If we were to somehow load up and, and go to the Mobile Airport and, and uh, fly out, and you had an opportunity at the gate to pick any place to go, uh, where would you pick? What would be the ultimate destination for you? Now, understand that if we fly out of Mobile, we're going to have to go through Atlanta, right? I mean, you can't go to heaven without going through Atlanta, right? Amen? Now, let's just say you get to Atlanta. From, from, from Atlanta, where are you going to go? Uh, for some... Uh, the ultimate destination is to have your toes in the sand and being able to listen to the waves roll in. That's why uh, you live on Dolphin Island, perhaps, or vacation or live a portion of the year on Dolphin Island. Uh, for others, it may be a, a quiet 
uh, mountain cabin overlooking a lake. Uh, for others of you, it may be may you love the snow, and maybe it's the uh, uh, skiing down a, a, a mountain slope with fresh snow, and maybe that's your ultimate destination. That we know for David, his ultimate destination is surfing someplace, somewhere. Uh, but what is it for you, the ultimate destination? Well, whatever that destination may be, the truth is it cannot provide the perfect experience. Because everywhere you go, there are some things that are there that are, uh, well, there are hospitals there, which means that people get hurt or people get sick. There are cemeteries. Uh, There are people who are hungry. You cannot experience in this world the perfect experience. In fact, you have to leave this world to experience the ultimate perfect destination. And that, of course, is is heaven. So that's why over the next few weeks, we're going to study and see exactly what the Bible says about that. Paul gives us a little bit of a hint of what heaven may be like in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In fact, let's just stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, we're going to put the scriptures on the, on the slides there on the screens. But Paul says this in verse 9, it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Take your pencil, take your pen, something that you could perhaps write with and write on, or maybe use your your phone if you want to take notes. I want to encourage you in these next several weeks to really take some notes because it does seem there's a lot of misunderstanding about heaven. Now, one of the words that I want you to underline in this particular passage is the word prepared. I think it's, uh, it's important for us to understand that God is preparing. God has prepared. Heaven is a prepared place, if you will, for a prepared people. And then you may want to underline that word prepared and then maybe circle that phrase for those, here's the phrase, who love him, who love him. And so this is a prepared place for a prepared people for those who what? Who love him. Now, there's just a couple of things that I want us to think about tonight. And the first is, is to understand that there's just a lot of confusion today about heaven. Again, a lot of, I believe, mis- misinformation. There, there are a lot of assumptions. You know, uh, as a pastor uh, in my life, I have literally conducted hundreds of funerals. I conducted a funeral last week. Um, I am around death and dying nearly every day. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I was with some friends of mine and uh, one of my dear friends, she she received a phone call. And while we were standing there, uh, one of her employees, uh, she received word that one of her employees had been tragically killed in an automobile accident. And we began immediately right then praying and seeking how we could minister to that family. And so this is part of my, my I, I conducted my first funeral when I was 19 years old as a young, young minister. And when I'm at funerals, there are some interesting things that I hear. Uh, Some things even said by uh, churchgoers, even said by Christians. And I I just want to think to myself, well, that's that's not true. I've I've heard people say, Christians say something like, uh, well, you see that shooting star there? That means means that that some angel got its wings. I mean, I've I've heard things like that. I've heard, well, when someone dies, they'll say something like this. Well, I guess God needed another angel. 
And I've heard Christians refer to, to, church, uh, to family members who've passed away as, as, as an angel, a new angel in heaven. Well, first of all, you need to know that's nowhere in Scripture. That's nowhere in the Word of God. In fact, probably one of the things that's uh, very irritating to me as a, as a Christian and as a pastor is when I'm at a funeral and that person that has passed away, there is absolutely zero evidence that they were a man of faith or a woman of faith, but somehow after their passing, we want to somehow explain them or help them or promote them into heaven. There's no evidence that they believed in God, trusted God, followed God, yet we're going to talk about, in fact, I've heard preachers preach people into heaven when there was zero evidence. There's actually this belief that when people die, if they're not followers of Christ, if they're not men or women of faith, that they somehow go to a place where they can work and then ultimately be promoted to heaven. Well, friend, again, there are so many, uh, so many false assumptions about, about heaven. And there's even this idea that, in fact, I've heard this. This is one of the things that I probably hear more than anything else, is that, Pastor, you know, we really don't know about heaven, and we don't really know if we're going to get to go to heaven till we die. And when we die, you know, I just hope that when I stand before those pearly gates and old St. Peter's there at the gate, a preacher, I just hope, you know, that he's going to let me in. I hear that a lot when I say to people, hey, do you know, do you know for certain that when you die, you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have eternal life? Well, preacher, I hope so. I mean, I hope that, you know, does anybody really know until they die? Yes, you can, you can absolutely know. Uh, but there's this idea that we're going to die and it's almost a roll of the dice and we're going to stand before those gates and then hopefully somebody's going to let us in. In fact, over the years, we've probably all heard all of those, you know, St. Peter at the pearly gates jokes, right? Oh, have you heard about the man who, 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 went to, who died and appeared, you know, before St. Peter at the pearly gates? We tell all those stories. One of my favorite stories is the man died and uh, stood before uh, St. Peter at the pearly gates. And, uh, and St. Peter said, well, sir, uh, you could come in, uh, but the rules here are you have to have 100 points. And according to what you did in your life uh, determines whether or not you get your 100 points. But if you have 100 points or more, you are welcome to come in. And the man said, well, okay, uh, um, all right. Well, um, how about this? How about that my wife and I were married 50 years. I mean, 50 years together. We loved one another, committed unto God, and we were together, loved one another, faithful 50 years. And St. Peter said, wow, 50 years. Yes, sir, 50 years. Well, all right, that's worth three points. And the man said, three points? Okay, well, um, well, uh, I was faithful in my church. I mean, for 20 years, I was faithful in my church. I didn't go every Sunday, but I mean, I was there probably three out of four weeks, and I was very generous in my giving, and I tithe, and I was faithful, and I went to Sunday school, and I did that for 20 years. And the man said, wow, that's fantastic. That's two points. And uh, the man said, well, all right, so uh, wow. All right, so I have, I have, uh, I have uh, five points there, uh, and we've got to get to how many? He said 100 points. He said, okay, well, uh, 
Well, our church uh, started a, uh, a feeding ministry, and we would go every week, and we would feed the homeless. And I was a, a part of the first ones who helped launch that ministry, and at least three times a week, we would go and provide food and, and feed the homeless. He said, you did that. He said, absolutely, did that for many, many years. Wow. Well, that's one point. And so the man said, I, I have six points and I need a hundred. He said, yes, sir. He goes, well, I, I just, I mean, it just seems to me, if this is the way it is, it is only by the grace of God that I can get into heaven. And St. Peter says, bingo, welcome in, come on in. The truth is, the reason I love that story is that you and I know as Christ followers, it is only by the grace of God we get into heaven. Amen. Well, there is some confusion. There is just some confusion about heaven and about even eternal life. Listen to this. This is a, a fairly recent survey among several thousand Americans. 93% of the Americans surveyed, 93% of these Americans said they believe in heaven. That's pretty impressive. The vast majority of Americans believe in heaven. 69% of those believe that they would go there. That's interesting. Over 90% said, yes, there's a real place called heaven. Only about 69% says, yeah, I, I know that I'll go there. That's interesting. 54% of Americans believe in a very literal place called hell. And of that number, 17% indicated they believe that they would go there. That's interesting, isn't it? The truth is, is that we just, uh, the truth is, there just is not going to be as many people there as far as uh, who think they're going to go there, uh, will be there. In fact, I just kind of believe this when it comes to heaven. I believe that when we arrive in heaven, there are going to be some people that we see that we're going to go, hmm, I'm shocked to see. I think there are going to be some people, we're going to be shocked to see them. And then I think there are going to be some people that are not going to be there, and we're going to be shocked that they were not there. And what I want to do in these next few weeks is I just want to give you from the Scripture what the Bible says about heaven. And I want to give you some very hard truth about it. In fact, let me just give you right now, just straight from the words of our Lord Jesus, Matthew chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14, enter, this is Jesus speaking, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, uh, enter by it are how many? Many, right? Look at the next verse. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are what? Few, few. Now, what I want to say to you this morning by way of introduction is just simply this. Reservations are required for heaven. Reservations are required for heaven. We don't get to heaven by default, all right? Uh, the Jesus himself said, listen, the, the, wide, the, the, the road that leads to death and destruction is wide, and the majority, that's the way they go, but the, but the road and the gate that leads to life, right, is uh, narrow, and few enter through it. So there's confusion about heaven, but there is clarity. There is clarity about heaven. Now, 
Over the next few weeks, all of your questions are not going to be answered about heaven. And the reason all of your questions are not going to be answered is because the Bible doesn't answer all of our questions about heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible just doesn't answer all of our questions about life or about death or about family or about marriage. You see, the Bible is intended to help build our faith. Now, my heart's desire and how I've been praying for Church of the Island how I've been praying for you and praying for me that as we dive into the study over the next several weeks, that if you're a child of God, if you're born again, if you, uh, if you, if you know the Lord Jesus, my prayer for you is that you will have a greater desire, a, a desire that will build and build in you for heaven, that you will have, that you will be homesick for heaven. And then if you don't have the confidence, if you don't have the assurance of heaven, my prayer is through this study is that you will come to faith in Christ and you will have a confidence and assurance that when you die, you will spend forever and ever in a very real place called heaven. Now, again, there are over 500 verses in the Bible that speak of heaven. As a matter of fact, the verse that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9, is actually a quote from Isaiah 64. Now, there's some things about heaven this, this tonight that, again, just kind of by, by way of introduction that we want to understand. You need to understand that the Bible speaks of, watch this, the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven, all right? Now, the first heaven, this is the sky above us. This is, in other words, atmospheric heaven. This is the domain of the birds and the clouds. This is the first heaven. We read, for example, about the first heaven in Isaiah 55 and verses 9 and 10. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse number 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from, what's the word? Heaven. This is the first heaven. Do not return from there, but water the earth. This is the first heaven, right? The domain of the birds and the clouds. Then the Bible speaks of the second heaven, the second heaven. Now, this is the domain of the sun and the moon and the stars and the planets and, and the galaxies. And the Bible speaks of this in Genesis in chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars, verse 17. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light of the earth. And so this is the second heaven. It's the domain of the planets and the stars and the galaxies. But then the Bible speaks of the third heaven. In fact, Paul himself spoke of the third heaven in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You can write that down in your notes, beginning in verse number two. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but, but God knows. And I know that this man was called up into paradise. Again, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. 
And he heard things that cannot be told, which may not be uttered. And so there's this third heaven, and this is where God is. This is where the angels are. In fact, this is what Jesus is referring to when he's teaching us to pray. Remember the disciples said, Lord, you're just a, a master prayer, and we see the Father in heaven do marvelous things. Will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, all right, now when you pray, pray like this. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9, our Father who art in heaven. Heaven, right? Heaven. This is the third heaven. Psalm 11 and verse number four. Again, speaking of the third heaven, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. This is the third heaven. This is the ultimate place. This is the highest place. It's also referred to in Ephesians chapter four and verse number 10. Speaking of Jesus, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Again, this is the highest place. This is the ultimate place. This is where God, the angels, this is where even right now, this is where Jesus is. And what I want you to know as we dive into this study is I want you to know this, heaven is a real place. Heaven is an actual place. And you don't need to have anxiety about death. You don't need to have worry about what's after, uh, what happens to a person or what happens to a Christian after they die. Listen, heaven is real. And I'm telling you, in these next few weeks, you're going to have a renewed assurance. You're going to have a, a greater desire. You're going to hopefully be even a little bit homesick. But listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Believe in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house. I love that. He refers to heaven as the Father's house. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I, I would have told you. And that I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And so Jesus is speaking to his followers. He had been talking about his own death and, and, uh, and they begin to get a little worried and a little bit anxious and, and, and what, what happens after death and, and what are we going to do if you leave us? And, and Jesus said, now listen, don't be anxious. Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, you believe also in me. Listen, I'm going to, I am going to leave you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. In fact, I must go in order to prepare a place for you. Now, I want you to just, let's just camp out here for just a minute. This is one of my favorite verses of scripture. Because when Jesus walked this earth for 30 years, before he began his earthly ministry, what kind of work did he do? What kind of work did he do? He was a carpenter, right? He was a carpenter. Uh, he followed in the, the steps of, his, of Joseph, but he was a carpenter. And uh, I believe that Jesus probably did excellent work. And I believe whether he was building a house or building a door or maybe a table, whatever it may be, I believe that it was, I mean, it's probably as good as it could be uh, uh, on earth. I believe that Jesus never charged too much. I believe that he was an excellent carpenter. And the reason I believe that he was an excellent carpenter is that Jesus, before he stepped foot on this 
serve actually had practice in being a creator, being a builder. Because John's gospel in chapter 1 tells us that it was in fact the pre-incarnate Christ. It was Jesus himself who flung out the stars and the moon and the planets. That it was Jesus himself, the pre-incarnate Christ, who scooped out the oceans and heaped up the mountains. It was Jesus who did that. And listen, the Bible tells us in Genesis that he did all of that in how many days? Six days. That's not a trick question. It was six days. And then he rested. Now watch this. Let's, let's get close on this one. If the pre-incarnate Christ, if Jesus created everything that we've seen, some of you have been to Hawaii, some of you have been to the Grand Canyon, some of you have seen some of those beautiful places on planet earth. And if Jesus did all of that in six days, can you imagine how beautiful heaven's going to be if he's been preparing it for 2000 years? Amen. I'm getting a little excited. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be marvelous. And so Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I'll come again and I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And then what did he say this? He says, but, and you know where I'm going and you know the way. And of course, the disciples were looking at one another. Thomas spoke up. Thomas says, well, we, well, we, don't, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? And then in verse number six, what did Jesus say? I am the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. See, we, that's the reason we know with confidence that reservations are required for heaven. You just don't go by default. Now, the Bible also says this. Think about it. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. You see, right now, at this very moment, when you and I are gathered here this beautiful Sunday afternoon on Dolphin Island, is that Jesus himself, King Jesus, who conquered death, conquered the grave, he is in the third heaven. He is seated right now at the right hand of of the Father. And I believe by this way, I believe he's kind of sitting on the edge of his seat. I believe he's sitting on the edge of his seat. He's waiting for the Father to say, son, go get him. Go get him. And listen, when that happens, that we studied this, I believe, last week, right? The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise. Those of us who remain will be called up together with them in the clouds to which we will be with the Lord for how long? Forever and ever. Now, here's what we're going to do. A few minutes that we have left, probably take about five, six minutes. Let me just describe again as an introduction tonight just some truths about heaven. Number one, our Redeemer is in heaven. Our Redeemer is in heaven. We just read that Colossians 3 verse that tells us that right now Jesus is in heaven. He's seated at the right hand. But if you need another verse of scripture, write this down. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 24. For Christ is entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Bible says that he is interceding on our behalf. As you pray, he takes your prayers and he intercedes on your behalf before the Father. But here's what you need to know. Our Redeemer, Jesus, is in heaven. What makes heaven heaven? Jesus 
Jesus. I heard about a man who was making fun of a little boy who was, who was inviting him to church and telling him about Jesus and, and uh, telling him about heaven. And the man said, son, what will happen if you die and you go to heaven and Jesus isn't there? To which the little boy, without any hesitation, said, sir, said, mister, there ain't no heaven if Jesus ain't there. Amen. That's what makes heaven heaven is that's where Jesus is. Our Redeemer is heaven. Number two, our relationships are in heaven. When you're saved, when you're born again, the Bible says you're born again into the family of God. We, uh, this morning, in fact, really just a few days ago at, uh, at Cottage Hill, we had a, a man that we uh, got to know. His name is uh, David, David Jones, and David was uh, pressure washing at the church, at the, at the West Mobile campus, and he had a son with him, and uh, we got to know him, got to talk to him, and Pastor Lonnie went out there and, and drew the three-circle gospel presentation, threw, drew the three circles, and David Jones got on his knees with his son, and both of them prayed and, and, and gave their lives to the Lord. In fact, uh, David, the father, said, uh, Pastor Lonnie, would you come to my house, and would you draw those three circles to my family? And so, absolutely. And followed him home, gathered the whole family. He drew the circles with them, shared the gospel. The entire family came to faith in Christ, and all of them were baptized this morning at that cottage of campus. Praise God. Isn't that incredible? Last Sunday, I preached on the resurrection and eternal life. And there was a, a young lady visiting the church. His name was uh, Tanisha. And Tanisha came forward and she said, Pastor, I want to know that I'm going to heaven. And I shared the gospel with her and she came to, came to faith in Christ. We baptized her this morning. And right before the service, I said, Tanisha, I want you to know I'm so proud of you. I gathered that Jones family around. I said, we're so proud of you. Here's what I said to him. Welcome to the family. Welcome to your church family, but welcome to God's family. Here's what happens for the Christian. For the Christian is that we understand that our relationships, I mean our family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, our family is in, uh, they're gonna, where they're going to be is in heaven. Uh, as people get older, especially Christians, I hear this. I was with an elderly lady uh, maybe just a couple of months ago, and uh, she, she's near the end of her life. And I was talking with her and I was praying with her. And uh, I said, well, are you, are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? She said, preacher, she said, when you've lived as long as I have, you come to a place like me, I have more friends and more family over there than I have here. Now, what did she mean? She just meant that she's lived long enough and that she understands that, uh, you know what? Uh, her relationships are there. Our relationships are in heaven. Can I remind you? This is our temporary residence. Our permanent residence is in heaven. Amen? Number three, our riches are in heaven. Our riches are in heaven. You and I, you may not know this, you have an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. The Bible says this. The Bible says in 1 Peter, in chapter 1, in verses 3 and 4, uh, go back to verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept where for you? 
In heaven, in heaven, there is an inheritance waiting for you as a Christian in heaven. Can I remind you, this is not our home. Listen, you may have spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of, uh, a lot of whatever, you know, building your home here on Dolphin Island where you've got a view of the beach and, man, you can ride your bicycle everywhere, all that kind of stuff. Hey, that's wonderful. That's fantastic. I'm a little jealous, but here's what you need to know. Listen, this is just your temporary home because your permanent home is in heaven if you're a child of God. Would you say amen? I heard about a man who was a... He just spent all of his life just trying to gain wealth. Worked very hard, but just accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And, uh, and he was a church-going man. But toward the end of his life, he just was determined that he wanted to take some of his wealth with him to heaven. In fact, he just began to pray, Lord, I need you to let me take some of this with me. I've worked so hard for so many years and gathering all of this. I've sacrificed so much. You have to let me, please let me take a little bit of this with with me. Well, the, the, the Lord dispatched an angel, and the angel, um, the angel made his way down and said, Sir, listen, you, you know the rules. You, you don't, nobody brings anything with them. And the man said, Well, when I go fly places, uh, I mean, I'm a medallion member. They always let me have one free carry-on, and I'm just asking for one free carry-on to heaven. And so the angel went back and forth with the Lord, and finally the Lord said, Well, let him, let him have a carry-on. If he wants a carry-on, he can bring it. But tell him this, it's going to be inspected, right? Just like TSA, it's going to be inspected at the gate, uh, but he can have one carry-on. And so the man began to fret a little bit. Now, what am I going to put in this carry-on? Am I going to put some cash? Am I going to put what kind of currency am I going to put? What, what, what am I going to bring with me? And he just determined that that one valuable asset, I mean, regardless of where you live, has great value. I mean, just gold, bars and bars of gold. Now, in his little carry-on, he wasn't able to get a lot, but I mean, it was so heavy, he could just barely carry that little carry-on filled with gold bars. Well, sure enough, he died, and he's dragging there to the pearly gates, his little carry-on, and he meets St. Peter at the gate, and Peter says, hey, you can't bring that with you. <laughs> You're not allowed to bring anything with you in heaven. And uh, the man says, well, I have an exemption. And I was told that I can have a carry-on. I have a little pass here. And sure enough, all right, you can come in. But now look, I've got this angel over here. He's going to have to inspect your back. And so the angel opened the bag up, and the angel began to just barely laugh as big as he could. He said, can you believe this? This guy brought pavement. Because those of you that hopefully know, the streets of heaven are paved with what? Look up here for a second. Isn't it interesting, the world in which we live, that men today walk on God and worship gold. But when we get to heaven, we're going to walk on gold and worship God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me just share one last thing with you. In fact, let me just share this with you. We'll just wrap things up. John MacArthur says that um, when we get to heaven as Christians, there's three things that we're going to say. The first thing that we're going to say after we arrive, we're going to say something like this. Oh, I, I can't believe I made it. <laughs> I can't believe I made it. Number two, we're going to say, oh, I just never imagined how beautiful it is. Just, just never imagined how, how, how beautiful it is. And then number three, he said, every Christian is going to say this. I wish I would have done more for the Lord. I wish that I would have done more. Let me just finish by telling you this. Uh, 
reservations are required. You don't just get there by default. And no matter what that preacher may say when you die and your family members talk about how good you were, the truth of the matter is if you don't know Jesus Christ, that's the only way you get into heaven. We, uh, we took a group of really, I think there were some from all three campuses. We took a group of people uh, to Europe last month and uh, uh, or earlier, or earlier here in April. And we, uh, we went to Scotland, and then we went down to, made our way through London. And then uh, when Pastor Ronnie, our 55-plus our pastor, there were, there were 39 that went on this trip, 39 people. We gathered them all at the Mobile Airport, right? And before we even went to the Delta counter, we gathered everybody together. Here's what we said. Do you have your passport? Do you have your passport? We need you to have your passport. We need you to have some copies of your passport right? Because here's what you, you and I know. You don't travel internationally without your passport, right? You have to have it. If you want to travel internationally, you have to have your passport. And so uh, they had their passports and we went and we went on the journey. And then there was a, um, there was a little leg at the end when we were in London, we got on a train to go to Paris and we're going to spend a couple of days in Paris and then fly back home. When we get to the train station, after we got off the bus, we gathered everybody up again. Okay, now look, before we go in the train station, we need everybody to hold up their passport. And everybody held up their passport but one lady. She said, hmm, you know, I haven't seen my passport since we, since we arrived 10 days ago. Which, by the way, every day when we got on the bus, we'd say, do you have your passport? So guess what? D do you think that she got to Paris? As a matter of fact, that's what we had to do. We had to take her to the U.S. Embassy to issue her a, an emergency passport and flew her back to the United States. She missed Paris. True story. You, you, don't, you don't travel internationally without a passport. Watch this. You don't get to heaven without a passport. That's been, watch this, stamped with the blood of Jesus. That's how you get to heaven. And I just want to ask you tonight, I want to ask you, do you have that assurance? Do you know? Do you know that when you die, whenever that may be, that you have the assurance, the promise of heaven? I pray that you do. I pray that tonight and then in this series, I pray that you'll have a growing confidence and assurance. You may ask this question, Alan, can you really know? Can you have that confidence? Absolutely. 1 John 5, 13 says these things that are written, talking about the gospel, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. So you can absolutely know, especially if you have your passport. I had a, um, a police officer come to me. I've gotten to know him, call him a friend. He came to me this past week. We actually met on a Thursday afternoon. And uh, we were just talking about things. And, and he said, uh, Alan, I don't know for certain I I'm going to heaven. When I was a little boy, I... I walked down a church aisle and I was baptized, but I'm a grown man now. I have a son, but I don't know for certain. I said, well, and I called his name. I said, well, here's what you can do. This is a true story. I said, you can, you can look back, you know, 30 years, 40 years, and say, well, I, I hope that what I did when I was a little boy that I don't really have much memory of, plus there's no real evidence of my, of my faith in these last 35 years, but, but I, hope that's, I hope that's good enough. Or... You can settle it today. You can write today's date down in your Bible. As you trust and believe by faith in what Jesus Christ did for you, you can be born again and know 
that you're destined for heaven. Do you know what he did right then? Big, this is a police officer. Uh, big old tears running in his eyes. He said, he said, Alan, I want to do that right now. And you know what we did? Right there, if you've ever been to the Cottage Hill campus, right there in the, in the uh, Connection Center, Josh knows where it is, we sat right there. He got on his knees, and I got on my knees, and I just led him through a prayer of confession, a prayer of faith. As a matter of fact, it took several minutes. He was so emotional, he couldn't get through it until he finally did. Saw him this morning. We're going to baptize him probably next week. Listen, you can know. You can write today's date down, get your passport, and know for certain that you have eternal life. Here's what let's do. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask the band to come and lead us in worship. I'm going to ask Pastor David and Pastor Jared to come. And these guys are going to be available. Here's what we're going to do in the next couple of minutes. The band's going to come and they're going to lead us in a song. And here's three things we would encourage you to do. You can sing. You can worship, right? You can sing this song. It's a beautiful song about heaven. Here's what you can do. You can come and pray. You can pray where you are, or you can pray at this altar. Because here's what I believe. Every single one of us, including me, there's family members and their friends that we have. There's zero evidence that if they were to die today, they would go to heaven. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And here's what we need to do. We need to pray that God would give us an opportunity to invite them to one of these Sunday night services as we talk about heaven, right? Let's pray for an opportunity to invite them. Maybe you have a neighbor. So let's pray for them. Let's pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for an opportunity to invite them. And then number three, there may be someone here tonight. You would be honest and say, Alan, I don't know for certain. I don't have that kind of confidence. Oh, friend, don't leave tonight without knowing for sure that you have a home in heaven. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Revelation 21 tells us about the passport. It basically says that unless your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, there is no heaven for you. Every person, when they die, has eternal life. It's just where are you going to spend it? Where are you going to spend it? And to go to heaven, your name has to be written in the Lamb's book of life. Last Sunday morning, Tanisha, the Lord wrote her name in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, David Jones and his whole family, his, their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. This past week, that police officer, that friend of mine, his name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to pray for you. If I stand with me, let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray even now, as we're praying for those that we know, maybe a son, maybe a daughter, maybe a mother, maybe a father, there's just no evidence of faith in their life. And Lord, we're worried because heaven just won't be the same without them. So Lord, we pray for them and we pray the conviction of your spirit and we pray for an opportunity to invite them. Lord, I pray for these here tonight, Lord. Just give them enough courage to step out to one of these pastors in the next moment so they can have the confidence of eternal life. And Lord, for those of us that are born again, 
that we just have a greater desire, have a greater hunger for you and our home in heaven. So be with us in these next moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.